Welcome to Samford University's Campus Worship. We hope you enjoy the presentation. Good morning. My name is Felicia, like Matt said, but please call me Fish. It's a long story. If you want to go get coffee, I'll tell you all about it. The ladies just read for us a beautiful parable from Luke about forgiveness. And so we're going to look at another picture of forgiveness today. But I wanted to just give you a very brief introduction. I have three kids. They're nine, eight, and three. And um, you can imagine that the phrase, that's not fair, is said a lot at my house. And so a little bit today, we're going to talk about that concept of that's not fair. I want us to look at today um, verses in Matthew chapter 20. We're going to look at Matthew 20. This parable is called, if you look in your Bible at the chapter heading, it's called laborers in the vineyard. And I'm going to make a case that this parable is not actually about laborers. It's about someone else, another character in this story. But the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, so a denarius is um, basically a gold coin, I mean a silver coin, and it would be given to someone who worked an entire day's wage. It was worth about 10 donkeys, so you can imagine it was worth a good bit, and you had to work very hard for it. Usually it was about 10 hours a day that you would work, and um, while you would work, you would work the hardest that you could, and your day's wage would be a denarius. Now, it's kind of ironic. The King James Version of this verse says that it was a penny, which is a lot different than 10 donkeys. Um, and the 10 donkeys today would equal about $75.50, which is about right for what you would work, maybe, not for a 10 days wage. Imagine babysitting for 10 hours for $75.50, my three children, and you would want a little bit more than that. So anyway, um, anyway, the denarius that we see here that's promised to these workers that came at 6 in the morning, we're going to see what happens to it later in these verses. So pick up with me at verse 3. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to him he said, you go into the vineyard too. So the vineyard owner has hired these workers at 6 a.m. He goes back out about three hours later, and he sees more workers that are kind of standing idly. And he says, you go too. And he picks up, I will pay you whatever is right. So they went, going out again, about the sixth hour. And the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call all the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius, the day's wage. Now when those hired first came, the ones hired at 6 a.m., they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. So if we look at this scripture, this parable that Jesus is telling, and he's been telling stories this whole time. Matthew records this one because if you'll remember before Matthew started following Jesus, he was a tax collector. Money gets to be a little bit important to him. He understands this concept of fairness and wages and what you earn is what you get. If you don't work hard enough, you don't get as much. That's important to Matthew, so he records this scripture for us. Jesus tells this scripture because like all of the parables, he's trying to give us like a snapshot of what the kingdom of heaven is like. And in this case, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who goes and hires workers at 6 a.m. He promises them a day's wage. He hires more at 9. He hires more three hours later, three hours later. And then in the 11th hour, have you guys heard that phrase before? Something happened in the 11th hour. It means it happened right before the day ends, right just in the nick of time. In the 11th hour, he goes back out and hires another group of laborers. 
And then when they all come in to be paid, the last ones that came to work, the ones that had worked just about an hour, the, the landowner gives them a day's wage. It's this huge amount for a very little piece of work that they had done. And then the ones that were hired first, even though they agreed to a denarius, they get a little bit excited. They're like, my goodness, if he gave them a denarius for working an hour, imagine what he's going to give us. This is going to be awesome. But they are also paid a denarius. So I was looking at this parable earlier in the year, and it reminded me of something that I read in the news recently. There's a guy, his name is Dan Price. I have nothing back here, do I? I'm going to quit looking. Um, there's a guy, his name is Dan Price, and he owns his own company. He looks a little like Jesus. He's 31. I'll try to describe him to you. He has long hair. He's young. Some people say he looks a little bit like Brad Pitt. So imagine Brad Pitt owning his own credit card company. And his, when he was 16, he had this great idea. He had friends that owned coffee shops, um, friends that owned small businesses. And he was really upset by the price gouging that took place when they had customers swipe their credit card. He felt like he could give that price to those people for a, a better edge. And so he started his own company, and he's a multimillionaire. And uh, right now, um, well, let's say in April, he was making $1.1 million as the CEO of this company. But he walked outside one day, and one of his workers named Joel was pretty frustrated. He was sitting on the side of the wall eating his lunch. And so Dan Price said, what, what's wrong? What's bothering you? Obviously, he cares about the people that work for him. And Joel said, I only make $35,000 a year. And the cost of living in Seattle raises every year. And it's really difficult for me to make a living, much less to save money, based on the salary that you're giving me. And I'm just frustrated. So Dan Price went home and he thought about it. And he thought, yeah, you know, I think I'm going to figure out a new way to do my business. So he sold a vacation home, sold a bunch of his assets. He uh, laid aside his $1.1 million income that he has, and he decided he was going to make $70,000 a year, and that every other person in his company would too. So Dan, Dan talked to Joel. Joel, you're making $35,000. Now you're going to make $70,000. This sounds great, doesn't it? So you can imagine some people on one side of the fence called him a socialist. Some people on the other side of the fence called him a hero. And over 4,000 people called him and asked for a job. So you can imagine this is a pretty good scenario. But here's what happened a couple of months later. If you look into the story, Dan Price's business model, kind of the business model that we see in this parable that Jesus is telling, doesn't seem fair. Because now people that were not making as much, maybe because they weren't working as hard, are making the same thing as people who work very hard. People come in late, they leave early. There's no equality of work, even though there's equality of pay. Now, I'm not arguing that this is a system that we should do in, in our society. I think Dan Price is looking at it as a model for his company. I think he's seeing some problems that come along with it. Um, work ethics is one of them. But I think we see the same picture in the Bible. I know we have the same feeling. Because let me paint a picture for you this way. You're in a group project. You're the one that gets there early every time. You're the one that helps set the agenda for what you're going to study. And then there are those people that come along, and they, they might do their part, but you might have to tweak it and fix it and make it a little bit right. And then there's that one person who never comes, shows up late, has no idea what the project is even about. And when you get the grade, you all get the same grade. Now, does that feel fair? See, it looks good sometimes when we see it on paper, like, Dan Price is so great. As a side note, he is a believer, and I think that's one reason he's trying to set up this system in his business. We'll see if it works out. But there are already people within the system that don't like the way it works. It's not fair. It doesn't look right. One of the things that Bono said about life and about fairness, I'm a, it's going to be on the screen in just a second, but I wanted to explain it first. Because what happens to us is when we think that things are not fair, well, this is what I do. I try very hard to make it fair, to make things nice, to make things equitable. And so one of the, thing, one of the ways that I work this out 
is if I'm going to be in a drive-thru and I want the right order, like if I want to get the right product, I tend to be super nice to the person, not the person, the box that I'm talking to before I actually get to, this, to the drive-thru. Because I, in my mind, I believe somehow that the way that I treat this, per, this box, this person through the box, is going to affect the equality of my order. I give equal in, I get equal out. Does that make sense? I work hard and then I expect to get what I want from that work experience. Um, even with my children, I feel like if I say one time, you know, line up at the door, we're about to leave, they should line up at the door, we're gonna leave. My words should have power, but oftentimes they don't. So sometimes we feel this experience and what we're really living in those ideologies is this understanding of karma. I know none of us would say that we believe in karma and I know it's like another religious thought, but if think about it for a second. If what I put into a situation is what I'm hoping to get out of it, how often do we work in that system? I'm gonna be nice to somebody, so they're nice back to me. I'm gonna share something with someone, so they share it back with me. That is the system of karma. And if that's our ideology, we've got it all backwards. This is what Bono has to say about karma. You see, at the center of all religions is the idea of karma. You know, what we put out comes back to you, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Or in physics, even in physical laws, Every action is met by an equal or an opposite one. It's clear to me that karma is at the very heart of the universe. I'm absolutely sure of it. And yet, Bono said this, along comes this idea called grace, to upend all of that as you reap, so you will sow stuff. Grace defies reason and logic. Love interrupts, if you like, the consequences of your actions, which in my case is very good news indeed, because I've done a lot of stupid stuff. See, most of us, if we're honest, we work in this system of karma. We work in this ideology of karma, that if we feel if we work hard for it, we should get it back. The, the hard part of that is the opposite end is true. If karma is true, then all of the terrible things that happen in our lives, we somehow earned. The car wrecks, the cancer, the phone calls in the middle of the night, the, the being left behind. We earn all that if our belief system is that what we put in, we deserve to get out. And Bono's argument is that in the middle of this karma-based world that we live in, and some of us act out of, grace totally interrupts. Grace comes and steps in the middle and says, it's not going to be that way anymore. Jesus opens his mouth and says, this is a snapshot of heaven. This is what my kingdom is supposed to look like. All right, so we're going to pick up and see what happens next in the parable. If you're following in your Bible or on your phone, uh, I'm going to read 11 again and then follow after. Now, when those hired first, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I choose to you. And, I, and am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge me my generosity? So the last will be first and the first will be last. You've heard this phrase before, the last will be first and the first will be last. If you were here earlier in the semester, um, we had someone that, that taught on the parable of the rich young ruler. And Jesus ends that same, with that same phrase at the end of that parable. For the first will be last and the last will be first. And sometimes we don't like that. It doesn't make sense. We want life to be fair. We want, it to, we want to get out what we put into it. And it's not fair that someone else should get something when we worked so hard for it. That's the argument of these workers in the field. 
I understand their argument. I feel that a lot of times. Life is not fair. That's great. Because remember I told you that the name of this was called The Laborers in the Vineyard? Here's the beautiful thing about it. It should be named God is Great, and he gives us his grace when we don't deserve it. All right, so two things that I love about this parable. If you look back in, let's see, in verse 13, when Jesus is talking to one of the ones who has complained and grumbled about the payment that he agreed upon and received, Jesus calls him friend. He could have very easily said, ungrateful, get out of here, you know, but he doesn't. He calls him friend. And when he does that, he's showing us a picture of what the kingdom of heaven is. The kingdom of heaven is always considering where is this other person coming from and what do they need to know about Jesus? Jesus looks at this person. The person needs to know that Jesus is his friend. He's not his enemy. He's not against him. He's not trying to cheat him. It's the, it's the landowner's money. And if Jesus is the landowner in this story, then it's his grace to give. The second thing that I love about it is that in, in this parable, which is, it does not correlate to a good business model. I think you'll see if you study uh, Dan Price's life. But if it doesn't, it doesn't compare to a business model. It's not even about a business model. Jesus tells the story because he wants you to feel that unfairness. That's why I told you the thing I did about the group project. You, if you feel the unfairness of that. You know, you can associate with that. Feeling the unfairness of it, though, makes you stop and recognize the landowner didn't have to ask anyone into his field. He didn't have to invite any workers. He didn't have to give any denaria. He didn't have to give anything. And yet he went to the 6 a.m. workers and asked them to join him. He went to the 9 a.m. workers and asked him to join them, to join those workers and himself. And what should have turned out to be this great party where lots of people are included no matter what hour they came, no matter what they were able to put in, and they all received the same thing, it became a grudge match between those who had worked the hardest and those who had barely worked at all. But if we look at this picture, we truly see the grace of God. If you correlate that to what God has done in history, he didn't have to choose anyone. He and the Holy Spirit and Jesus, they could have been having a big old party without inviting any of us to join him. But he decided that he would create because he is gracious. And then he decided, I'm going to show my graciousness by picking a man named Abraham. And then out of Abraham, I'm going to choose Abraham's family. And from Abraham's family, I'm going to choose the Gentiles. And then I'm not going to stop there, even though I could. I'm going to choose from the Gentiles all who would come to me. Whoever would believe, I will call them to myself. And so the grace of God is shown grace upon grace upon grace. And so our lesson is that we not begrudge another person the beautiful grace that God wants to give them, that we not withhold it to ourselves. When you leave in just a few minutes, there will be some ladies at the door with a penny for you. And I want you to remember that. Actually, I want you to remember every penny you see from now on. I hope it will sink in. God's good, sweet word of grace. When you see a penny, I want you to remember that was the King James Version of what they were paid. We know it was a huge amount, a day's wage. When you see that penny... I want you to imagine even sharing just a little grace with someone else. Sharing the grace that you've been given and pouring it out on someone else. I'm going to turn to Ephesians 1, 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. He has a bountiful amount of grace. He's rich and extravagant in it. And he desires to pour it out on you so that you can pour it out on someone else and show his great grace to another worker in the vineyard. Y'all pray with me. Amazing grace, 
how sweet the sound. You saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Jesus, thank you that your grace that cost so much was given so freely to me. And please help me to give it as freely to other people. Not for my glory, not for what I get out of it, but for what you're going to do when you bring people into that beautiful grace. It's in the name of Jesus Christ, who gave his life, that we pray. Amen. For more information about Samford University, check out samford.edu.